and This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. The disease that decimated the black community is now threatening the whole nation. That is the word from thyblackman.com. As we are getting ready to celebrate Father's Day now... Next month, it's important to examine the impact of a rarely talked about disease. It's systemic fatherlessness, and it doesn't have a multi-million dollar prescription drug campaign against it. No drug companies are involved. In fact, very few, if any, lawmakers in Washington are drafting legislation to combat it. So like any untreated cancer, it's growing at an unprecedented pace, and it's a disease called fatherlessness. And it's affecting more and more American households today than ever before in our nation's history. It's caused a structural epidemic in our nation, and no one seems to be very concerned about stopping it. And we are here on Viewpoint concerned about that. So concerned about that that I wrote a book called Hearts of the Fathers, Leaving a Legacy That Lasts. And today on Viewpoint, we want to talk about this matter of what we can do as fathers, as men, whether we're natural fathers, whether we're adopted fathers, whether we're grandfathers, great-grandfathers, or whether we don't have any children at all, but God has given us spiritual children in which to disciple all of us are fathers. God has called us to be fathers. He is a father. He said he would be a father to the fatherless. And we have a lot of fatherlessness in our country today. In fact, we have a lot of true fatherlessness even among professing Christians. And the disease of fatherlessness has shown devastating consequences. This infectious plague that once seemed isolated and contained in the black community has gone viral and is spreading throughout other communities at a frightening pace. The incarcerated, the high school dropouts, the out-of-wedlock birthers, those in perpetual poverty, the repeated single parents, drug and alcohol users, most are likely to have some debilitating disease, father lessness and fatherlessness is not just a matter of not having the father uh in the home it's a matter of having the father in the home but not having the father present that is present in a relational way and we're going to focus on that here today on viewpoint in fact within the uh, black community another opinion says the survival unit the black family is being fatally weakened by the lack of fathers. Indeed, it is. In fact, it has been fatally weakened. And so the black community is gradually whittling away, and the consequences we see on the streets of America, and then we say, no, the problem is racism. No, the problem isn't racism. The problem is fatherlessness. Fatherlessness is the elephant in the room. It's the topic that few church leaders, 
seem to be addressing or at least addressing in a proactive manner to facilitate change. It's a problem that politicians will not discuss because it comes too close to home and they're trying to encourage uh, curry favor with votes rather than curry, uh, what should we say, the uh, healing, the true healing and restoration of our country. So what are the implications of fatherless families? Be they single mother households, same-sex marriages, or matriarchal cultures, while some see the role of a male fatherhood as superfluous, the fatherlessness is a pervasive problem. It's an epidemic chiefly arising from two root causes. Would you care to guess what they are? Two root causes. Number one, divorce on demand, and number two, unwed pregnancies. Those are the two root causes. They account for at least 70% of all fatherlessness in the country. And they have severe implications regarding God's word, his church, and our world, and in fact, actually, our own family. So on Viewpoint today, we want to talk a little bit more heart-to-heart concerning this matter of fatherlessness. And again, the real problem we're talking about is not just the absence, the physical absence of fathers. That's what happens through divorce. That's what happens through unwed uh, uh, pregnancies and so on. But there's another level of fatherlessness that is what we really want to focus on here today. And it's the thing that within our so-called Christian families, we have not done very well at. We haven't done well within the, the nation as a whole, but within our Christian families, we haven't done very well. And so we want to take a look at the glue that bonds us together. And uh, <clears throat> the words that a father speaks to his children in the privacy of their home are heard at the end by their posterity. And it's not just the words. It's not just empty words. It's the words that are spoken in genuine, caring relationship. But what does that look like? What does that relationship look like? That's what we want to focus on here today. There are seven fatherly secrets. Say that. Seven fatherly secrets. So we're going to, we're going to take a look at those here today on the program. And, uh, what we want to do is provide hope through these seven fatherly secrets that can provide the relational glue that's needed so that our desired legacy, the thing that we want to leave, uh, after our lives has the needed relational environment to not only grow, but become joyful and fulfilling in the journey. So, we've got to have some glue that binds us together. Now, as we go through these seven secrets, please do not take them lightly. And please do not think that somehow you can isolate one out from the other and say, oh, well, I do pretty well at that. Therefore, rationalize that everything's wonderful, everything's cool, and I'm a great father. It doesn't work that way. I have been tremendously challenged and uh, tested with regard to this matter of fathering. And uh, I remember when our oldest daughter 
was born. From the very moment she was born, God put upon my heart a strong desire and sense of obligation and responsibility to be a godly father and everything that that would entail. I knew that it was going to entail my time. I knew that it was going to entail my spending time together with my daughter and my daughters. I knew it was going to involve my talking to and with them. I knew that I was going to have to do some thinking out loud with them and uh, have a grateful heart thanking them and also spend time tenderly involved with them and touching them. And we want to take a look at those seven secrets here because, quite frankly, I've lived those out. I kind of know what I'm talking about here. And I want to share them with you because they will do wonders in your relationships. We'll be back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chrismar, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Some fathering advocates would say that almost every social ill faced by America's children today is related to fatherlessness. And it's not just things that are faced by our children. It's things that are faced by we men, actually, because our fathers left some sort of a legacy, for better or for worse. Ladies, mothers, wives, your fathers have left a legacy for you, for better or for worse. And that has been carried on, and your husband is experiencing the echoing ramifications of your father and his relationship in your life. So these things are extremely relevant, and uh, here we are uh, preparing on the way toward Father's Day. We've had Mother's Day. Now we're on our way to Father's Day, and we know how important God considers this because before, in his great mercy and compassion, he warned the prophet Malachi that before the great and terrible day of the Lord, he would send forth or raise up the spirit of Elijah the prophet to call the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest he strike the earth with a curse. Well, we're there right now. Did you know that that message is the next to last message before the second coming of Christ? That's how important it is to Father God before he sends his only begotten son to take his bride. That's how important it is. It's a big-time importance to God. And so it should be a big-time importance to you and to me. Most men, I, I hate to say it, most even Christian men are so busy doing this, that, or the other, and uh, trying to build their businesses or uh, take account of the various sports that they are interested in or uh, building this, that, or the other, that they just really kind of 
give the whole idea of biblical fathering short shrift. Don't pay much attention to it. And their children know it. Their children feel abandoned. So here we are. We're going to take a look at these seven fatherly secrets. The first is time. Say time. Time. It's the quintessential ingredient for all meaningful and satisfying relationships, whether it's with our kids, with our spouses, and with God. Mm Mm-hmm. So the things that we're talking about here, fathers, as it relates to our children and grandchildren, also are equally important in our relationships with our spouses and equally important in our relationship with God himself and with God's people. Time. And it's the same for every father. We all have 24 hours, don't we? Every father has 24 hours in a day. So the question is not whether we have the time, but what do we do with the time? And we'll spend money to save time, supposedly. For what purpose, though, have we saved the time? Have we saved it for our personal or selfish purposes? Or have we saved it to invest in the people in our spheres of influence, beginning with our our wives and our kids? And how have we balanced that investment between those things that have ultimate or eternal value as compared with the things that are only, say, cultural mandates or fleshly desires that promise like a temporal satisfaction. All of these things involve decisions, and they involve time. Reminds me of a song back there in the 1970s, I think it was, Time, oh good, good time, where have you gone? And we think that way. Time is fleeting. Time goes very fast. And men, we need to seriously go before the Lord and ask what he would have us to do with our time with regard to our children. It's an investment. It's the ultimate investment. And quite frankly, we're not talking about uh, going, take me out to the ball game, buy me some people, uh, peanuts and Cracker Jacks. That's not really what we're talking about. Now, there's nothing wrong with that from time to time, but that is not really the kind of investment of time that we're talking about because that's a voyeuristic kind of time. It's not going out and watching something. That's good in and of itself. There's nothing wrong with that, but there has to be much more than just going out and watching something because you're not really paying attention to one another. So time has to involve the second ingredient or secret, and that is together. Time doesn't, time doesn't just stand alone. And many a father, a, even a Christian father, co-opt the majority of their free time for themselves. They don't seem to have a vision for the time value of togetherness. And yet those times are precious. It's interesting as uh, my wife and I sit down uh, each morning and then from time to time in other situations and just reiterate in our minds, we, we recall, we remember 
we go back. And she continues to talk to me about how the, our daughters speak about the time that we invested together with them and the various things that we did together. They weren't voyeuristic things. They were relational things. They were things that were participatory, things that we did together. Hiking, skating, biking, all kinds of things. But how about passively watching TV? Is that time together? Not really. Pressing into the latest video games, that's not really time together. Now, there's nothing wrong in and of itself with any of those things. But they're not together times. Not really. It's okay to sit and watch something of great interest. In fact, there are a number of different uh, videos or movies over the time that I have urged my children to watch, and we would sit and watch them. One of them was Chariots of Fire. But we didn't watch something just to watch it. There was a reason we were watching it. And then we would talk about it. It was time together, relating together. And true togetherness is almost like an intangible, or actually, I guess you could say almost like tangible, in the taste that it leaves. It has a profound effect on our memory and provides the relational womb for the rest of fatherly ministry. Now, when I wrote the book, Hearts of the Fathers, Leaving a Legacy of the Last, I felt compelled by the Holy Spirit to write this. It's different than other books concerning fathers and fathering, because I know, and God knows, that fathers are finding it very hard to be true fathers from his perspective. You see, the only uh, perspective that matters is God's perspective. Only one life will soon be passed, dads, and only what's done for the Lord will last. And he has given us a trust. Your children are a trust, and you are fathering them for Father God. So are you doing that? Are we doing that? Are we fathering them for Father God? And there is going to be a point of accountability. On Judgment Day, we're going to be judged according to what we have done in the body, in the flesh. Have we fulfilled God's holy covenant responsibility in our families? We're going, to, we're going to be judged on that. We can't avoid it. It's going to happen. But what I am more concerned about initially is to be a doer of the word and not just a hearer. I don't want to just think that it's important to be a father. I want to be one. I want to actually be the man, the father that God wants me to be, and I'm sure you do as well. So, it is this profound sense of presence that kind of lubricates a father's life legacy. If you go to the Psalms, you'll find a Psalm says, in your presence is fullness of life. In your presence is fullness of life. And we, we, we say we want the presence of the Lord. 
We have songs about his presence. Oh, the glory of your presence. We, your people, give you reverence and so on. Our kids desperately need our presence. Not just the physical presence, but the fact that we're really there. That we're tuned in. That we really do care. And how would they know that? Well, they're going to know that by some of these other secrets that we're going to disclose here. We're talking about seven secrets, seven fatherly secrets. And they will. It's not that they're so profound. Well, they are profound, but they're simple. And they're simply profound. And they will change everything if you will grab a hold of them and ask the Lord to show you how to live these out. And grandfathers, I tell you, (laughs) you have the time, and it's time to use this time of grandfatherhood to the max. Investing yourself for God's holy kingdom purposes. I want to make available the book, Hearts of the Fathers, Leaving a Legacy That Lasts for You. It was written for you. I believe that Lord put his blessing on it, inspired it to be written for this moment in time to help prepare the way of the Lord in your family, in your life, for history's final hour. When the Lord comes, will he find you ready as a father? Will he say, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Isn't that what we want? If we want to leave a legacy that lasts, that's honorable, somehow there's going to have to be change. And if we'll make the choice for the change, God will help us to make the change. We have to make the choice, and he'll help us make the change. The book, Hearts of the Fathers, Leaving a Legacy That Lasts. It's a $22 book, $23 book, actually, yours for $18. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA, or you can write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Hearts of the Fathers leaving a legacy that lasts. Men, don't wait for your your wife to have to get this for you. Two-thirds of all these books have been purchased by women. Do you know why? Because they're desperate. They're desperate for their man, the father of their children, the grandfather of their grandchildren, to step up and be and become the men, the fathers, the grandfathers that God intended them to be. And the mothers and the grandmothers oftentimes have a much clearer vision of what that should be than we dads do. We're distracted. So you take the initiative. You take the initiative. Get the book as a tribute to Father's Day. That's not to discourage women from getting it because it's an inspirational book. 
a very inspirational book. And, uh, you know, it's been endorsed by quite a number of uh, leaders in our country, including a former United States senator, a Christian psychologist, uh, ministry leaders, reporters. Oh, they see the need. They see the need. Now, yesterday, we had an interview with Ken Ham, who is the founder of Answers in Genesis, and also the uh, Creation Museum, and the the Ark, all there in Kentucky. And during that interview, I played a very interesting song. I want to play that again for you. Because in this time, friends, God has called you and me as men to build an ark. We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. In the 1970s, the Gaither vocal band aired a song that was so catching that it became one of the favorites in our home. It's called Build an Ark. Build an Ark, save your sons and your daughters. And I want you to hear it. I think it will be inspirational to you. We need all the inspiration and encouragement we can get for times like these. Men, build an ark. Feel the way that no one did when the Lord commanded Build 
got to do it. Now's our time. My father and my mother, my sisters and my brother, all of the friends I care about and the woman that I learned to love, I'll gather them together. Will we do it? To build. There it is. Build an ark. It's time to do it. Build an ark, friends. And it's not made of sticks and stones. It's not made of lumber and uh, uh, rivets and screws. No, it's made with relationship and with teaching. Relationship and teaching. And so in the next uh, few minutes, we're going to take a look at two or three more of these seven fatherly secrets. The first are time and together. Presence, a father's presence. You see, Jesus, when he selected his 12 disciples, he selected 12 to be with them. Jesus' ministry was not a do-it-to-you ministry. It was a do-it-with-you ministry. One of the things that I have done specifically with my grandchildren is to spend time with them. With them. Teaching them. Teaching them various uh, skills. Teaching them... uh, Uh, a work ethic, teaching them to relate to things in the natural world and to learn spiritual truths from those. Just last evening, I spent time over dinner with taking one of my grandsons. He's 23 years of age. He's doing some work with me, things that I've trained him to do since he was seven years old in the yard, and now he's become an expert. He's been an expert at those, but his whole life, has been transformed just in the past two to three years. It's a matter of building an ark. Presence, time, together. And the next one is talking. Talking. You know, you can be together with somebody, but if you don't talk, there's no communication. So togetherness demands life-giving communication. It's not about yapping at somebody. It's a matter of communicating with them our wives guys i know you know this but i'm going to remind you they absolutely crave the time of togetherness with their husbands that's what they want and the same is true with our kids and uh, yeah sometimes a father has to be stern when correction is needed but he also has to be perceived as having sort of a special gentleness toward his sons and daughters. And perception is our children's reality. You know that. And that's why God's children, whether we're adults or children, have so loved that hymn that we used to sing anyway, and he walks with me and he 
talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. And then the joy that we share as we tarry there, none other is ever known. Do we need to say anything else about that? So the next one is thinking. It's one thing to talk, idle talk. It's another thing to truly think out loud. Now, men aren't nearly as good at that as women usually are. Women tend to have a stream of consciousness kind of thing. They think out loud because their thoughts are more emotionally engaged than men's thoughts usually. So men just say, well, just just give me the facts, ma'am, right? So... Guys, we've got to think about how we can, how we think and how we speak. Now, I have to tell you that even though I was trained as a lawyer and I had been a school teacher before that, when it came to my marriage relationship, uh, I became significantly tongue-tied. And God had to release me in a particular way that uh, we'll get to in the next uh, secret. But before we get that, we need to be able to speak in such a way that it's relational. Our kids need to feel that relationship with their dads, with their uh, grandfather. And what will happen is that our children and their, actually, their their mother's hearts are going to be strangely warmed. Just like when God speaks to us, he knows, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give unto you a hope and a future. That's heartwarming, isn't it? And then, thinking. This is one of the qualities of thinking that probably supersedes all others. And, and we tend to call it gratitude. And gratitude greases relationship like nothing else. So maybe that's the reason why Father God said, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God concerning you. And many a father's failure with his own family, I think, can be traced to a lack of gratitude toward his heavenly father. So if I'm not truly grateful to God as a father, how can I expect my sons and daughters to be grateful to me? Interesting, isn't it? There's tremendous power in gratitude. It's an attitude in which genuine relationship can can truly grow. So here's a question that I have for you. Do your children know how grateful you are for them? How about your wife? Does she know how grateful you are for her? So gratitude isn't just a feeling. It has to be revealed in specificity and given, shall we say, voice by earnest words that convey the depth of our heart connection. And and what we're not talking about here is flattery. Gratitude is not flattery. Flattery is manipulative. It's insincere. 
And it really, as the Bible says, it lays a snare for those who, who hear it. It destroys trust. But genuine gratitude, oh my goodness, it's amazing. It's amazing. Now, as I think about this, <clears throat> I'm remembering back about 20 years. About 20 years ago, somehow the Lord began to open my mind and my heart to the understanding of this word, gratitude. And it was as if, almost like being born again, again. It was like seeing a rose that's tied up in the bud and seeing it open up into a grand, full expression of that rose as a flower. Gratitude. And it required that yours truly begin to speak in ways that previously I had not, even with my own wife. When I began to understand and act grateful through my words, life changed in significant ways. I became more grateful to God. I became more grateful for my children, my grandchildren, and was able to communicate it. More grateful for other people. Grateful for things around me. It began to open up a new freshness and joy and just reveling in life. And when our kids picked up on that, guys, they want that too. And when we show an attitude of gratitude continually and they experience it, my goodness, it will be transforming. Transforming in their lives, transforming in your family, transforming in their relationship to God with their parents. Amazing. Seven fatherly secrets. We've got a couple of more we're going to talk about. I hope you'll stay tuned. You're listening to Viewpoint, and our viewpoint concerning fathering is determining destiny. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. It's a real tragedy, the tragedy of systemic fatherlessness. We want to talk about systemic racism, but the bigger problem is systemic fatherlessness that we don't want to deal with. 
And so we conjure up other alternatives to try to avoid the elephant in the room. The lack of fathering, the lack of the presence of fathers in our whole society. And it's driving the culture wars. A writer says, I watch the looting, the rioting, shootings and killings, and I sense that too many sons and daughters sadly never had the talk with their father. Discussing the traditional role of the father in teaching discipline. The former linebacker, Gary Cobb, said, what a tragedy it is when so many young men first learn the meaning of you can't do that when confronting the police. And when the crisis of fatherlessness reaches epidemic levels and is exacerbated by failed public policies and popular culture seemingly hell-bent on its own destruction, then some of the vital lessons that keep people safe and prevent safety from collapsing just aren't being taught. People of all races, religions, and politics privately admit that the disintegration of the family and fatherhood is a primary driver of the chaos that we're seeing around us. While it's easy to recognize its consequences, fatherlessness is hard to discuss in polite circles. So instead, we just thrash around for other causes and solutions, like blaming racism or privilege or cops. And we preach victimization. We stoke fear of authority and encourage lawlessness. We make martyrs of the wrong people. We attribute mistakes not to the individuals who made them, but to the majority of society, and we're told, is deplorable and systemically evil. But if we continue to bask in such delusions and distortions, things are going to get worse. We desperately need to re-examine the fundamentals of strong fathers and families and the privilege they offer to every part of society. Let's start by asking why we have undermined them. But we better start soon, says this article. I agree. But nobody wants to talk about it. Not really. Only want to talk in general terms about fatherlessness, but don't want to talk about why we have fatherlessness, either physically or spiritually. Physically, we have discussed, and it's well understood, that the prime two causes of fatherless physical fatherlessness in our country are divorce and unwed pregnancy. They result in 70% of all fatherlessness in this country. At least 70%. So, the divorce culture was not without consequences. In fact, since 1968, when Ronald Reagan affirmed as governor of California the no-fault divorce law, since then... Approximately one million children every single year in America have been left virtual orphans. Totally broke up the family. Broke up the structure. Broke up fatherhood. No wonder God is concerned about fathering here on the near edge of the second coming. Wouldn't you be if you were God? 
I think you would be. So this is a very, very important subject. And by the way, that's why I wrote the book, Hearts of the Fathers, Leaving a Legacy That Lasts. It is a hard-bound book, $23, How to Build an Eternal Legacy. And uh, it's not just about, it's not about building up some sort of a financial kitty. If you think that's what leaving a legacy is about, you are sadly mistaken. Because neither you nor your children will be able to carry that financial kitty with you to the grave. No, it's about our hearts. It's about the heart of the fathers and the heart of the children to their fathers and the heart of both father and children to God as father. That's what it's really about. And this book, Casts a Vision, helps men to get a handle on what that looks like and how to do it. That's what seems to be lacking, the vision. And without a vision, people perish. Without a vision, families perish. Without a vision, uh, fathers perish in their fathering. Grandfathers perish in their grandfathering. So this helps us to get a handle on that in ways that other books about fathering do not do. This is not just about information. Oh, it's loaded with information, but it's about transformation. That's what we really need. It's a $23 hardbound book, yours for $18. It's on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org, get us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 232 Five five, writing a check at five dollars for postage and handling. Remember, we're building an ark to save our sons and our daughters, because this world is not our home. We're just passing through. Our treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me to heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Right? We need to prepare, build an ark. Save your sons and your daughters. All right, we want to take a look at the final two of these seven fatherly secrets. The first is tenderly. Now, men are not always uh, well associated with that word because it seems to convey the aura of the feminine. But there is a kind of masculine tenderness and a kind of feminine tenderness, and they're not necessarily the same. But they make up together, they make up the tenderness coin, you might say, that is essential in our homes. So my children knew me as a strong leader father. But they also know me as a gentle, loving father. God is a disciplinarian father, and he's also a loving, compassionate father. He's both and. Not either or, but both and. And dads, we have to be both and. So our Heavenly Father was both a firm father, but in his tender mercies, demonstrated them to to us as his kids. Now, do you remember that used to be called an invitation hymn. Maybe you remember it. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. 
calling for you and for me. See on the portals, he's waiting and watching, watching for you and for me, saying, come home. Come home, ye that are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Come home. You see, Jesus is not just gentle Jesus, meek and mild. He was strong. He brought rebuke to the spiritual leaders of his day, excoriating rebuke, by the way. But he also had the tenderness side, both and, because he represented the Father, full of both grace and truth. And men, that's what we need to do. Truth and tenderness. And then, while we're being tender, some of that tenderness is expressed in words and attitudes. Other times, it's expressed in touch. And this is the final secret that completes this this glue that binds a father's heart with Father God's heart and then sets the stage for godly destiny with our kids. So, a father's touch... I think, is foundational to trust and communication of truth. So when my daughters were young, uh, when I would get home from the law office, we'd have dinner together, and then I would gather them in their bedroom, and we would sit on, there were some stairs there into their bedroom, and we would sit there on those stairs, and I would share the word of God with them. I would use some of the... Uh, the Bible stories and accounts, but I would relate them to him, not just read in a, you know, just a drag kind of a, that's that's not the right word to use these days, uh, in a dull sort of way. No, I would relate the story to them and its implications and its application for them and for our family and for our world. And when I would do that, I put my arms around them because I wanted them to know that when I spoke my father's words, they could feel the father's touch. Isn't it interesting? Maybe you know that song. Again, it was Bill and Gloria Gaither, I think, back in the 1970s. It became a very, very well-known song, one loved. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that filled my soul. Something happened. And now I know. He touched me and made me whole. How are you doing in the touch department, Dad? Grandfather? A lot of people these days are involved in bad touching, as they call it. We're not talking about that kind of touching. We're talking about the legitimate kind of touching. And if there's no touching, you're out of touch. Even my grown grandsons 
appreciate and enjoy by putting my arm around them. Sometimes giving them a big hug. I want them to know that they are deeply loved and accepted and that I am there as their grandfather now to press on with them through thick and thin. To spend time together talking, thinking, thanking, and teaching and all of that, and tenderly touching. I want them to feel it. Feelings are good. They cannot be our Lord. But they help to amplify truth. They help to make truth relational. They don't replace truth. Some people are just touchy-feely. No, it doesn't replace truth. If we're not teaching the truth, then the touching is relatively empty. It has to be in the context, ultimately, of being a truth teller and a truth bearer. God's truth. And that's true with our grandchildren as well. Touch binds the depths of a grandfather's heart into the deepest recesses of his grandkids. Thanks for joining us here on Viewpoint today. I trust that this has been helpful, encouraging. We need all the encouragement we can get in times like these, don't we? Men, don't just take this idly. Get a copy of the book, Hearts of the Fathers. Father's Day is coming up here very soon. Next month, a sixteen uh, it's a $23 book, hardbound book. Yours for only $18. A life-changing book. Book, family changing book, culture nation changing book. Twenty eighteen dollars on our website, saveus.org, and seriously consider becoming a partner, friends. Will you do that? That's part of taking the responsibility of being a leader in our time. God bless and be a blessing. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.